Hello, my Rebels. Today's podcast is about Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell, his procurer. Uh, it's, it's a fascinating story. It's a crazy story. I'll take you through it. And I'll ask, what do you think is going to happen to Bill Clinton now that he has been fingered by an eyewitness as having been on the pedophile island with two young girls? Uh, I wish you had a video version of this, though. We do have a video version of this. It's what we call Rebel News Plus. It's the video version of the podcast because I want to show you all the photographs of different celebrities with Jeffrey Epstein, from Bill Gates to Bill Clinton to Kevin Spacey. I think one of the reasons this story is actually going to go away is because it's those untouchable people who have been fingered by this. We'll see if that happens. I, I would like to encourage you to become a Rebel News Plus subscriber. It's only eight bucks a month. Go to rebelnews.com and sign up. But in the meantime, here's the podcast. Take a listen. Tonight, the first secret records of billionaire child rapist Jeffrey Epstein are made public and Bill Clinton is implicated. It's July 31st and this is The Ezra LeVant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. It's hard to even think back before the pandemic, but do you remember Jeffrey Epstein? No one really knew what he did for a living, but it obviously was successful. He hobnobbed with the rich and famous, especially beautiful women. He lived in one of New York's most famous and most expensive private homes. It actually used to be a museum. He had a huge private island in the Caribbean with many homes on the island and strange cult-like temples. He had a ranch in New Mexico, too. And then there was his private jet, so he could fly amongst these places when he wanted, with whom he wanted, without unwanted eyes prying. His jet was famous. It was dubbed the Lolita Express. Bill Clinton was a regular passenger on it. You know where the word Lolita comes from, right? It's the title of a scandalous book written by Vladimir Nabokov in the 1950s about an older man who has sex with a girl, a minor child. So yeah, not a shocker that Bill Clinton was a regular on the Lolita Express. So how did Epstein amass his fortune? Court records show that he really was staggeringly rich. Uh, a lot of celebrities pretend to be rich. I think Kevin O'Leary is one of those. He talks like a billionaire to make you think he's a billionaire because otherwise everything he says about how to get rich is just obviously an act for TV. But Epstein really did have hundreds of millions of dollars, probably more than a billion. But how? He didn't have a business. He didn't do big deals. It's, it's a bit of a mystery. How could it, well, could it maybe be related to the prostitution business? Well, there's certainly billions in the worldwide human trafficking trade, but I think it's increasingly clear that Epstein had a certain model for child prostitution. He sold children into sexual slavery, and he himself raped children, and he, in fact, was convicted and designated as a sex offender. But because he sold children into sexual slavery to the world's rich and famous, to celebrities and politicians and academics and people in high office, 
Well, he had something much more valuable then, didn't he? He had the entire lives and reputations of these celebrities in his hands. Did he sell that to them? Did he extort them? Did he sell his information to spy agencies, to Israel's Mossad, to the FBI, and maybe the CIA even? Well, that's the funny thing, because Epstein's crimes were not exactly a secret. The FBI knew all about it, no less than 36 child victims of rape were identified. Yet he got off with a wrist slap, a plea deal, a few months in jail, but he got to retain his massive wealth and power and his celebrity. Here's Bill Gates with Epstein after Epstein was convicted and registered as a sex offender. Why would Bill Gates still hang out with him after that? Well, you know why. That's my point. 36 rape victims identified. Yet, after a few months in jail, and he's back out as a celebrity party-goer again, why? Why would Bill Gates and Bill Clinton still hang out with him? Well, isn't that obvious? He had what they wanted. I'm sure he was brilliant and riveting and psychologically manipulative. He absolutely was a psychopath who knew what buttons to push in people. But Bill Gates and Bill Clinton and others in that stratus, they're used to saying no to people. A hundred, a thousand people a day try to get access to them. They, they know how to say no unless they don't want to say no, or unless they're being blackmailed or extorted. Uh, here's the UK's Sun newspaper. Just scroll down and look at everyone who was meeting with Epstein, including after his conviction, Prince Andrew amongst them. The actor Kevin Spacey. Look at that young girl, one of many who were trafficked. They have been shouting for help for decades, actually. All the fuss about the Me Too movement, and by the way, many of the Me Too complaints have been only about suggestive words or suggestive comments or an inappropriate joke. Uh, almost all of them were just actresses sleeping with producers to get gigs. Sometimes they were rape, I'm sure, but most of the time it was a consensual deal. But these girls here were minor children who were repeatedly imprisoned and raped on private jets and private islands why were they not helped with the Me Too movement? Why well, are you going up against Bill Clinton and Bill Gates and Prince Andrew and half of Hollywood? That's why. Kevin Spacey's a bizarre case. He's accused of sexual assault. But funny enough, everyone who accuses him winds up dead. Is that a coincidence? I don't know. Is that too insane to even ask? Is it a conspiracy theory to ask a question? Well, I've said nothing. I mean, what are the odds? The people who spend a lot of private time with a sex trafficker on private jets and private islands, what are the odds that they would have something to hide and would spend millions of dollars to protect their lives and reputations? What are the odds that some of those people might actually engage in the crime of murder to cover up the crime of rape? I don't know. It's not my job to find out. It's the job of police. And for some reason, the police kept cutting secret deals with Jeffrey Epstein until somehow he was arrested and put in jail in New York City. And what if comedy of errors came from that? He committed suicide. Really? Is that a conspiracy theory to doubt it? Is it a conspiracy theory that he did commit suicide or that he didn't? Which one is supported by facts? Here's New York's mayor. Mr. Mayor, your reaction to the suicide of Jeffrey Epstein? Uh, I think it, first of all, must be fully investigated. Uh, this just doesn't make sense. This is a guy who was as high profile as it can be, uh, had either been assaulted or attempted suicide previously. There's just no way it makes sense that he was left alone. 
I am not a conspiracy theorist, but something's way too convenient here, and we need to get down to the bottom of what happened. What do you think happened? I don't know. I want a full investigation. But I, you know what I also want to see is that the larger case against everyone involved in that trafficking ring must proceed, even if he isn't alive, because we're talking about many, many people, likely dozens or more who were involved. His death should not mean that that investigation is dropped, because that may involve some of the richest, most powerful people in this country. That needs to be fully investigated. Yeah, for, for some reason, Jeffrey Epstein was taken off suicide watch in the jail. For some reason, the surveillance cameras malfunctioned that night. Oh, it could happen any night. Uh, for some reason, the two guards, you can see them here, absolute top-notch, Michael Thomas and Tova Noel, they had a nap and then falsified their records about checking in on him. They were later charged with the crime for that. I'm sure no one bribed them. They look impervious to any sort of corruption or manipulation or bribery or influence. I mean, there's no way Bill or Hillary Clinton could have got through that thin blue line. I think the Epstein suicide is a unifying, uniting moment in its own perverse way. You got left-wing Bill de Blasio, right-wingers, everyone knows that he was not suicided, he was killed. And everyone knows that it's the establishment protecting itself. You can hate the establishment from the left or the right, and everyone knows that the people we rely on to tell us the truth are the most corrupted at all. Here's a reporter admitting that. I've had the story for three years. I've had this interview with Virginia Roberts. We would not put it on the air. Um, first of all, I was told, who's Jeffrey Epstein? No one knows who that is. This is a stupid story. Um, then the palace found out that we had her whole allegations about Prince Andrew and threatened us a million different ways. Um, we were so afraid we wouldn't be able to interview Kate and Will that we that also quashed the story. And then, um, and then Alan Dershowitz was also implicated in because of the planes. She told me everything. She had pictures. She had everything. She was in hiding for 12 years. We convinced her to come out. We convinced her to talk to us. Um, it was unbelievable what we had. Clinton. We had everything. I, I tried for three years to get it on to no avail, and now it's all coming out, and it's like these new revelations, and I freaking had all of it. I, I, I'm so pissed right now. Like, every day I get more and more pissed, because I'm just like, oh my God. We, it was, um, what, what we had was unreal. Other women backing it up. Hey, yep. Brad Edwards, the attorney, three years ago, saying, like, aunt, like we, there will come a day where we will realize Jeffrey Epstein was the most prolific pedophile this country has ever known. And, I had it all three years ago. I wonder how many media executives partied with Epstein and Bill Clinton and Bill Gates and Prince Andrew and Kevin Spacey. The CBC was so excited to see Justin Trudeau and Kevin Spacey partying together at Davos, Switzerland back in 2016. I wonder if the CBC will ask Trudeau if he ever hung out with Jeffrey Epstein too. I'm sure they'll get right on that. When Epstein was uh, jailed, the media interest was off the charts because it was so dramatic and so obviously scandalous and uh, his suicide, just an amazing story. And then the hunt began for his procurer of sex slaves, Ghislaine Maxwell is her name, who was basically his fixer, his arranger for the young girls because she was a woman, so she was more effective that way, easier to lure girls, easier to finesse things. She was a pimp, really, a sex trafficker, of course. And she went into hiding when Epstein was arrested. 
She was found hiding in the United States using fake names and fake cell phones not registered to her. She was arrested and, and brought to jail. She hasn't been suicided yet. As of the moment I write this, I'm actually shocked by that. Uh, but she went to a judge to ask that her records be kept secret. The judge disagreed, and so last night, some records that had been hidden for years were revealed. I hope that judge isn't suicided. Uh, have you seen this painting, by the way? That's a real painting of Bill Clinton wearing a dress. That painting was in Jeffrey Epstein's New York City house. Why would that be? I mean, it's funny, I guess. But these are not particularly funny people. These are sex traffickers. Maybe it was a reminder to Bill Clinton that whenever he'd visit the house in which so many girls were raped, maybe it was a reminder that Jeffrey Epstein had the dirt on Bill Clinton, was a witness to him, knew where the other witnesses were, and undoubtedly had video proof of every evil act conducted within. That's how you get to be a billionaire. Have the most rich and powerful men in the world on tape doing crimes that would destroy them and their family names forever. Maybe that painting was a way to remind Bill Clinton who the actual boss was. Here's what one of the rape victims told authorities during the investigation. This is what was revealed by the judge last night against Ghislaine Maxwell's wishes, one of hundreds of documents released. When you say you asked him, why is Bill Clinton here, where was here? On the island. When you were present with Jeffrey Epstein and Bill Clinton on the island, who else was there? Ghislaine, Emmy, and there were there was two young girls that I could identify. I never really knew them well anyways. It was just two girls from New York. And all of you staying at Jeffrey's house on the island, including Bill Clinton? That's correct. He had about four or five different villas on the island, separate from the main house, and we all stayed in the villas. Were sexual orgies a regular occurrence on the island at Jeffrey's house? Yes. That was a child answering those questions. A child. And she was talking about two children with Bill Clinton's, just two girls, two out of dozens. They were just commodities to Bill Clinton and Jeffrey Epstein. As Morrissey would say, they were nobody's nothing. Don't even worry about it. Yesterday, Bill Clinton was out in public. He attended the funeral of uh, John Lewis, a civil rights leader. Thank you very much. <clears throat> First, I thank John Miles and the Lewis family and John's incomparable staff for a chance to say a few words about a man I loved for a long time. Clinton's looking old, but he's still a public figure. He's still revered by Democrats and the media. Hillary Clinton is still lurking too, still grousing in public about losing the 2016 election. But now we know Bill Clinton was on Rape Island with two young girls, and they were all having group sex with children. Yeah. Uh, just a guess here, just blue skying here. Media interest in this bizarre and terrible story, it's going to vanish now. Stay with us for more. you die. Does that woman really hope that those children die because they're not wearing their masks? 
You know, I should tell you that in all of Canada, a country of 37 million souls, only one person under age 20 has died from the virus, and they had a pre-existing terminal illness. In fact, I really don't think young people die from the coronavirus. If anyone was likely to die in that situation, it was the woman scolding them, but I don't actually think she wanted people to die. I think she's just so stressed out by the fear that has turned into the larger pandemic, a pandemic of fear. And she's been told that people without masks are the danger and that wearing a mask is like some holy symbol, like a, a garlic clove to ward off a vampire or something. I think it's clear that the conditioning of ourselves to be in a perpetual state of fear is what's actually gonna cost lives. Joining me now in studio to talk about this is one of our favorite guys, Aaron Rosenberg, our free speech lawyer, who's also here today to talk to us about mask bylaws across Canada. Aaron, how you doing? Very well, thanks so much for having me. It's my pleasure. You know, um, the thing that we're gonna go through the mask bylaws, because about a week ago we went through maskexemption.ca with you. Mm -hmm. We talked about the Toronto bylaw and the special exemptions. And we told our people that they could buy a little laminated wallet size mask exemption card from us that has the specific portion of the bylaw on the back. But now that there's about 10 different bylaws across the country, we have another version of the mask exemption card. It, we don't have one for every single city in town. We just have a generic one. And it says, to see the details of the exemption, click maskexemption.ca. And then hopefully the shopkeeper or the public member will go to the website and they'll see this chart, which we're still tweaking right now. So we're here today, Aaron, to update our viewers on some of the various jurisdictions. We've had a few different lawyers work on this. Yeah. So here, you're here to talk about the different exemptions in different towns. Mm -hmm. Well, that's right. You know, they've got, um, you know, as you know, Ezra, the, the provinces have, have, uh, have decided not to get involved in regulating these matters. And, um, in most I, cases, I think Nova Scotia regulates. Yeah, yeah. So, so it, in, in most cases, the provinces have said, this is not really something we're comfortable legislating. We're not comfortable requiring or mandating masks. So what's been what's been left is the vacuum has been filled by a patchwork of municipal bylaws um, there they seem to hew along the same lines um, as the other jurisdictions but there's still a patchwork they're somewhat inconsistent and that raises a whole bunch of problems which i'm sure we're going to talk about it is they're inconsistent you have different quality uh, lawyers working for this town or this city. I do note that there are two provinces that the whole place is covered, Quebec and Nova Scotia. You also have different rules for airports and airlines. So the first question that jumps to mind is, they can't all be accurate. They can't all be medically sound. If this place has this exemption and this place doesn't, it's clear that this isn't medicine we're talking about anymore this is politics this is extremely this is an extremely political issue as you described um, and the cities are left with the uh, determination as to whether they want to make a political statement that they will not make ma masks mandatory or the political statement that they will and I think what we've seen with the cropping up of all of these bylaws across the country is that uh, uh, 
municipalities would err more towards the size of mandating masks and being part of the milieu that, dis that feel that masks are absolutely necessary and must be mandated. I think one of the problems is uh, who enforces it. We saw that scolding woman telling the kids that she hoped they died. What I hate about these bylaws is they turn ordinary Canadians into informants, snitches, cops, and judges. People who didn't want to do that, who just want a uh, positive relationship with their clients and customers, now are enforcers. And it's pitting people against yeah. each other. And let me just show you. Um, this You've probably seen this video before. This is from Quebec. We've tried to reach out to this individual. He was in a Tim Hortons, didn't want to wear his mask. Did he have a medical exemption? Did he have some asthma or something? We don't know. But here's the public health solution that at least in this situation, a cop thought was better than, God forbid, him not wearing a mask. Take a look at this. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think everyone in that restaurant would have been stressed out. I think some people would have been shocked. The man in question, for all we know, had a medical exemption. Um, that was a bizarre health remedy to a possible health problem. And what's so crazy is um, there's been no mask law for the last four months when the pandemic has been raging. All of a sudden, it's such a crisis, that man has to be tackled and effectively beaten up. Right, quite the opposite. Uh, we know now that the uh, federal government, the federal public uh, health officials were saying that masks are, are inappropriate, that, you, that we should not be uh, wearing masks, we're not recommending masks. So now we've done a completely 180 and now we've got state patrols um, marching around and enforcing mandatory mask bylaws. And as you said, um, it is arming uh, uh, citizens with an opportunity to uh, to turn the government gun on their fellow citizens if they're not complying with the 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 uh, the cause de etre, which is wearing masks. And so this is what you see over and over again: is you see Karen types or um, or uh, or folks that want to cancel uh, a service or a company for whatever reason. Uh, they use this as as a basis to do so, and they turn the government gun against these businesses that are already struggling um, under this current pandemic situation. All right, let's whip through some yep. of the cities. Uh, for folks who, we're going to skip over Toronto today, but for folks who were interested in Toronto's exemption, uh, we had a very big discussion about that the other week. There's an excellent uh, series of exemptions in the law for a number of purposes, including for creed. That's a deeply held set of beliefs. The most important thing about the Toronto law is that no one is allowed to ask you to prove your exemption. That is actually against the law. So let's jump right in. Um, I have in my hand a list prepared by... Uh, a variety of lawyers, and you're here to speak to this list. Let's start with Vancouver and Victoria. From uh, at, at least at the date this was compiled, no laws out there yet. 
Yeah, that's right. And, and, and these laws are being debated currently and are in the process of, uh, of, of being enacted. Uh, so that's not unusual. Uh, and my understanding is that many of the bylaws around the country, including major cities um, in Alberta, for example, Edmonton and Calgary are coming into force, uh, coming into effect tomorrow. Yeah. So let's hop right into yeah. Edmonton first. Um, must wear face covering in any indoor, enclosed, or substantially enclosed places. So this would include malls, churches, yeah. um, public vehicles, yeah. transit. But there are exceptions. What are the exceptions in Edmonton? Yeah, so, so what the bylaw sets out is that uh, folks that are unable to wear a face covering because of a mental or physical concern or limitation or something protected by the Alberta Human Rights Act. And so that seems to mirror the Toronto City bylaw quite uh, closely. Um, and also, obviously, folks that uh, cannot wear or remove masks without assistance, children under two. So similar, uh, similar uh, 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 exemptions. However, what I did not see in, in Edmonton or Calgary was the wording to the effect that, uh, that a person that, uh, that claims an exemption is not required to prove the exemption. Yeah. Um, and as we talked about last time, this would be like someone in a wheelchair saying I need to park in a wheelchair park in a disabled parking uh, place and the shopkeeper saying prove you're a paraplegic prove it prove you're a paraplegic before we let you park there if people if shopkeepers demand that you prove you have a health exemption that is quite possibly a violation of your rights and a violation of the bylaw, at least in certain cities, like Toronto, which explicitly says you can't do that. Some of these jurisdictions that have poorly worded laws are frankly setting themselves up for a lawsuit. Yeah, I think so. And uh, certainly a, a, a human rights complaint at, at, the, at the minimum, um, because a human rights... Uh, the human rights codes across the country, they've been recognized as quasi-constitutional, which means that they uh, are extremely important. And thus, a city bylaw, even if it's worded in such a way where a human rights complaint could arise, uh, the human rights code would likely overrule the, the bylaw. Um, let's hop ahead to um, the prairies. Looks like so far there are no laws in the prairie provinces, but moving west to east, Ottawa, they have a rule, uh, face coverings in public spaces, malls, retail businesses. By the way, you can see all these um, stats we're looking at at maskexemption.ca. So don't worry if you're not catching it in real time, go to maskexemption.ca. Um, exemptions for kids under two, but also for kids under five who are squirmy, which I think is sort of funny. I mean, uh, some, some jurisdictions say kids under five, some say kids under two. Again, the distinction is not, there's no medical reason why kids in Ottawa who are five are exempt, but kids in Calgary who are three are covered. That's just, again, politics, and it shows that this is all jiggery-pokery, yeah. changing rules, yeah. changing vibes. Yeah. That's, this is not science. Yeah, it's, it's impractical uh, to have these, uh, these inconsistencies, especially uh, in, in, uh, in close-by towns. Uh, we've had situations during this pandemic, not related to the masks, but uh, for example, when the stages reopen, where you have on one side of the street, 
the business can open on the other side of the street. It can't. And that can remain in place for a long time. And the same goes with this. If I have my kids um, and one happens to be a two, uh, happens to be a five-year-old, if I cross the street, that child has to wear a mask. If, I, if I'm on the other side of the street, they don't. This inconsistency creates just lots of problems. And, uh, you know, these are the types of problems that legislature needs to address. Instead, they're just created by these laws. Um, very important part, and we put this in bold on the website for the Ottawa bylaw. No person shall be required to provide proof of any of the exemptions set out above. And this is so important. And, and the card that we printed for people to either buy from us laminated for 10 bucks or they can just print off a copy for free from the website. It's, a, it's written in a friendly way. Please help. Hey, I'm exempt. Let's be friends. We're not fighting. Because shopkeepers are stressed out by this. Shopkeepers don't like this. It's so important that shopkeepers know that they don't have to be detectives. They don't have to be judges. They don't have to be cops. They don't have to say, you prove it. In fact, yeah. it's illegal for them to say you prove it. So um, this will come as a great relief, not just for members of the public, but if you're running a Starbucks, if you're running a coffee time or whatever, and someone comes in and says, I got an exemption, that is the best news that a shopkeeper can have because he is actually forbidden from getting into a fight. Well, good. So he cannot say, prove it, prove it, prove it. Yeah, you're right. It protects both sides of the equation. The, the, as you said, the, the folks that, that, that need the exemption, they need to claim the exemption, they're embarrassed, they're uncomfortable, and they shouldn't be required to prove their exemption on the spot in a stressful situation with lots of, lots of folks around. And as you said quite rightly, the shopkeeper then is removed from having to play um, enforcer of the bylaw, which is an unfortunate aspect of this law, which, which uh, defers enforcement upon shopkeepers that are already stressed out. Yeah, and by the way, the tests here are very, one of the exemptions in Ottawa, for example, is if you have a medical condition that you can't properly wear a mask. Well, do you have trouble breathing? That's a medical condition. You, doesn't have to, you don't have to prove it. You don't have to prove to the shopkeeper. You don't have to show them your hospital privacy. Same in Hamilton. Hamilton's the next city we cover. Um, anyone with an underlying medical condition which inhibits their ability to wear a face cover, you're exempt. Anyone with a disability that makes it difficult to wear or communicate while wearing a face covering. Yeah. Is it difficult for you to communicate while wearing a face covering? If so, you're exempt. And again, that key, key, key point, anyone who simply states that one of the exemptions of this bylaw applies to them, so, you do, so you're exempt for these five reasons, and then a sixth reason to be exempt is that you say you're exempt. Right. That Hamilton bylaw is actually either written extremely poorly or brilliantly. I can't <laughs> tell. Because to be exempt, you just have to say you're exempt, and then you're exempt. Well, I, I think that's good. And I, I think, look, th that is, you know, as, as you said, it, it, it may be, uh, uh, you know, smart like a fox in the sense that we, you know, it's, it's, it, it, we don't know if it's, if it's, if it was poor drafting or, or clever cr uh, drafting. But ultimately, th I mean, in my view, this is exactly what, what the exchange should be. I am claiming an exemption. I don't need to prove to you what the exemption is. Okay, great, go along your day. Um, and I think that th that's, this type of law would be so frustrating to the citizen enforcers. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. If you believe the law applies to you, it applies to you very much. But if you say the law doesn't apply to you, it doesn't apply to you at all. It's actually 
completely brilliant. I prefer to look at it as brilliant rather than stupid because simply saying you're exempt means you're exempt. So um, almost no one could be bound by this law if they just say, I'm not bound by it. Okay, that's... And you know what, that, you know, it's clever in the sense that like, I feel like that's really the way it should go. But, but again, that's voluntary compliance. Yeah. Let me uh, move on to Simcoe County and the District of Muskoka, which includes Barrie. Um, some folks know that Muskoka includes sort of cottage country in Ontario. So it's not surprising to see that outdoor day camps and indoor day camps are exempted. Yeah. Schools are exempted. Childcare is exempted. Um, there's actually a fair amount of exemptions. Sounds like they're slightly more normal than some of the more crazy jurisdictions. And again, I come down to that very key part. People who are exempt need not give details about why they are exempt. And for any shopkeepers that are watching, I beg you, do not break the law. Do not make yourself a violator of someone's human rights. Even if you're a skeptic, that's not your job. Your job is to run a coffee shop. Your job is to run, job is to run a barber shop. It's not your job to be a judge, jury executioner, cop, bylaw officer. Someone says they're exempt. You don't have the tools, the skills, the resources to be the judge of that. And luckily, the bylaw says um, people who are exempt need not give details about why they're exempt. Yeah. So that's good news for Barry and Muskoka. And that and that's goes to the to the to the larger point, which is that. You know, mandating masks, it, it, it's shrouded in problems. That's, that's what we're, we're dealing with here. But ultimately, if it was simply a, a voluntary compliance issue and someone could simply say, I don't need to wear a mask, I don't want to wear a mask, then that is totally fine. And all the, the scolders would be perfectly fine wearing their own mask, but they wouldn't be able to turn the government gun on those that do not agree with the idea of wearing a mask. Yeah. Uh, next is the regional municipality of Niagara. Um, mask bylaw there too. Um, one of the exemptions is if it would inhibit your ability to breathe. I, that is so vague. If you've worn a mask, you know that it inhibits your yeah. ability to breathe. That's why it's a mask. Yeah. Uh, so. I don't see a special uh, prohibition no. on asking for proof. Yeah. But again, if you start asking people to prove they have some sort of a disability, get ready for a human rights complaint. These, that's why these are terrible laws. Yeah. Because they're making people be snoops, snitches, yeah. informants, interrogators, inquisitors of each other. This is what I mean by the true pandemic. Pandemic's over. Um, Trudeau predicted between 50,000 and 350,000 deaths in Canada. That's what his model said. Thank God we've had less than 9,000. This is the pandemic. It's a public health pandemic. Let's move on to Quebec. The whole province is covered in this one. This is one of the two provinces that has a province-wide coverage. Mm. Uh, what do you think of this uh, province? Well, you know, again, what we don't see is uh, the same provision that we've seen ac across Canada, which is this exemption that you don't need to, pr sorry, that the, the provision that you do not require proof of the exemption. Um, but. But, uh, you know, what I, and I don't see any reference to any sort of human rights, um, uh, any human rights uh, distinctions um, or protections. Uh, what I do see is uh, people removing masks momentarily for identification purposes um, and, uh, you know, in classrooms and a restaurant and other enclosed spaces. Um, but I don't, 
You know, there don't seem to be a, a great deal of, of medical exceptions here. Uh, the only one would be uh, if you're actually receiving treatment or engaging in a physical physical activity. Uh, so, for example, exercising. So, I don't see the types of wide protections and exemptions that are provided across the country. I I view that as highly problematic, um, but. It's Quebec and things are done completely different in Quebec. The two things I would note in Quebec is that the mass bylaw does not apply to anyone under 12. Right. So that's a whole whack of exemptions. And for indoor spaces, if you're seated in an indoor space and are social distancing, you don't need a mask, which I think is common sense. Like, which is it? Do I need a mask and social distancing? Then why do I need social distancing? Or why do I need a mask? So there's a flicker of common sense in Quebec that if you're in a place um, they list, for example, classrooms, cultural activities, entertainment, restaurant, food court, bar. And you're apart from, you don't have to have your mask on if you and your little crew are six feet away from other people. This is all BS, but at least they recognize it's BS that you don't have to do both social distance and mask. Now I hear Dr. Fauci's talking about mandatory goggles. What a kook. Let's keep going. Um, I, we have only a few more to go. St. John's, Newfoundland, none uh, as of uh, a few days ago. Moncton, Fredericton, and St. John, New Brunswick, there's a uh, public transit requirement, which, as far as these bans goes, is fairly limited. Yeah. There's a medical exemption, and you're not probably on a bus for four or five hours. You're probably on a bus for minutes. Yeah. It's, it's not the worst of, Wait, of it's, the It's transitory. No pun intended, but it's also that uh, you know th this seems to be the uh, the gateway, uh, the transit mask bylaws seem to be the gateway into the wider city. So I, I would keep my eye on those uh, on those spots. Yeah. Nova Scotia, I'm going from memory. Nova Scotia has not had a new case in weeks, uh, or maybe I'm confusing that with New Brunswick. But maybe there's like a single case in all of Nova Scotia. Um, a country twice, a province twice the size as of Belgium. Um, so it's ridiculous that they have a mask bylaw at all. But there are some exemptions again, human rights conditions. If you have a human rights condition, and like in Ontario, creed, mm -hmm. which is a way of saying a deeply held belief, if it's against your creed to wear a mask, you're exempt. So again, I would say to my friends in Nova Scotia, if someone comes to your shop and says, I'm exempt. Do not pry and poke them at it because that could, because if they're exempt under the Human Rights Code, you're not a judge to say otherwise. Let it go. Last one, why don't you cover the um, PEI? There's no rules there. How about airports? This is interesting to me. Go ahead. It's, that is, is very interesting. And so what you see here um, is, is uh, there are some exemptions. You have to wear a face mask in an airport. Um, you can't board a plane without a mask. Um, you have to wear a, a, a face mask at the checkpoints, during boarding, during disembarking, um, and, and especially when uh, you can't maintain the, the six feet distance. Let me be uh, extra clear. You have to have a mask, yeah. but you can sit in an airport without the mask on mm. if you're six feet away from someone else. So when you're boarding the plane, when you're going through security, you need the mask on. But if you're just sitting in the airport and no one's within six feet of you, you don't need a mask. The CBC lied when they said Andrew Shear was breaking that rule. Hmm. Someone snapped a picture of Andrew Shear talking to Brian Pallister in the airport. Neither had masks, and they tried to mask shame them. Of course, they're Trudeau's state broadcaster. But actually, 
as long as you have a mask on you in your pocket or whatever, you can be sitting by yourself six feet away from people <laughs> and you're fine. It's when you go on, it's when you go through security, when you get on the plane, or if you're instructed by a, a flight attendant, even on the plane, if you're six feet away from anyone else, you can be mask free on the plane. And again, I, I hate the fact that flight attendants who already have a stressful enough job are the enforcers of this. Now flight attendants can order you to do this or that and you have to comply. As with anything on an airplane, you have to comply with what they say. But uh, you actually, under the law, don't have to wear a mask if you're six feet away from the next guy on the plane. Right, and then, and again, you know, further to your point, uh, the, the policy is very specific. It, dis, it, it expressly states a person must comply with any instructions given by the person, uh, airport personnel or, or uh, airplane personnel uh, with respect to wearing a face mask. So that's, that's pretty black and white. Yeah. Uh, look, we've thrown a lot, we've covered the whole country, literally coast to coast in the, in the last uh, 15 minutes here. And I want to try and sum this up for viewers who are probably their heads spinning with all the exemptions. First thing I would say is print off your exemption card, print off the generic one. If you're not in Toronto, if you're in Toronto, print off that specific one. Toronto's the biggest city, we'll probably have the most mask exemptions there. Um, we have two other videos on this page that Aaron and I give advice to shopkeepers, advice to the members of the public. Check those out. But if I had to sum things up, it would be this. Don't pick a fight. Remember, the people who you're talking to are generally stressed out too, and let's not pit each other against each, each other. But be firm enough to say, look, the law has an exemption. I'm using the exemption. That's following the law. The exemption is part of the law. It's not a trick. It's not an anti-law. The exemption is an essential part of the law. It's what keeps the law legal. And the person you're giving the exemption to does not have the skills or resources or training to be a judge of that exemption. And so province after province, town after town says you don't have to prove it. You just have to say it and that's enough. Um, it's odious the politicians of this country are turning us into snitches and informants. But many of these laws covering most Canadian citizens have exemptions that you simply say, I am exempt, and the matter's done. That's why the card is helpful, because just print off the card, it's free. If you want a laminated one, we'll send you one for 10 bucks, which is frankly our cost. And the, the card is just a friendly way of saying, hey, Let's not fight, look at this card, go to maskexemption.ca, watch the videos, read the bylaws, let's not fight, just don't fight with me because if I'm exempt, whether it's for a health reason or I can't breathe or you know my child isn't 12 in Quebec or whatever, just don't play cop. I hate the politicians because they've turned us into cops. Yeah, you know, it's so, it's so um, helpful, I think, to have a, a physical representation or reflection or expression of an exemption. And as you pointed out with, with uh, the Hamilton bylaw, all you need to do is say that you have an exemption, and that's good enough under that yeah, bylaw. Yeah, that's the, that's the craziest of the bylaws. You don't even have to have an exemption in Hamilton. You just have to say you're exempt. And Hamilton says, that's enough for us. Yeah, and, and, and Rebel is stepping into the void here because some municipalities and some transit systems 
have created their own mask exemption cards. When, of course, some of the municipalities, when they faced a little bit of heat, they scrapped it. Yeah, here's a look at the Toronto uh, Transit Corporation, the largest transit company in Canada, as far as I know. They had their own mask exemption, and then obviously under pressure, they took it down. Um, I don't know why. There are exemptions. Why wouldn't they have an exemption? It's, it's helpful, and it, it proves the, 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 this important point, which is that, again, um, you, you should be able to have some sort of representation of this. So that's why I think this is an important cause. Yeah. Well, listen, thanks for going through this. Uh, there's so much in there, and it's probably going to change, and it's probably going to evolve. That's why the generic card that we're now letting you print for free or you can buy for 10 bucks just says go to maskexemption.ca. I think we're going to update this chart every week probably because there's probably going to be a, a change somewhere in Canada every week. It's not perfect, and don't take this as formal legal advice, but you're not going to a real court anyways. You're going into a Starbucks. That's not a court, and that's half the point here. Don't play lawyer, and don't let them pay, play judge. Say you're exempt if you're exempt, and that ought to be the end of it. And there's so many exemptions here. And in Hamilton, simply saying you're exempt makes it true. So stay in touch on this. Um, and don't let them get you. Don't let them get into your head because that actually will be one of the worst legacies of the pandemic is turning us afraid, turning us against each other and creating a level of stress mm -hmm. that will likely have higher health consequences than the pandemic itself. Mm -hmm. Last word to you, Aaron. Well, you know what? Um, I, I think it is important to, for people to, to study these laws, to have a better understanding of what their locality has, is saying about masks, um, to comply with those laws, um, and also to, to understand that there are these exemptions and you can use them if they're available to you. Well, and that's the thing. I want to close on that in case it wasn't clear. I'm saying to you, comply with the laws. That's why we got a lawyer here. A lawyer doesn't give advice saying break the law. We're saying comply with the law, but the law has so many exemptions that you can follow and be in compliance. In Hamilton, you're complying with the law by saying you're exempt from the law. That's not breaking the law. That's following the law and complying with it. So our advice, if you're, if you're curious about it, if you don't understand me, I'm saying follow the law. I'm saying know what the law is because there's a good chance you're exempt from it. All right, great to see you. Thanks Thank you for so being much. here. Maskexemption.ca, get your free card. You can print out yourself or order a laminated one from us and we'll probably do an update in a week or so. Thanks. In today's letters, here's one. Hi, Ez. About four months ago, I terminated my subscription to the National Post and started with the weekly Epoch Times. The National Post phoned me a week after the termination asking why I canceled. I told them I didn't want to pay for a pamphlet that had no news. Dad. That's from my dad. You know, I didn't know he had canceled his National Post subscription, and for some of the very reasons that I suggested, looks like my dad's four months ahead of me. He knew what was coming. Well, that's it for today. Until next time, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night, and keep fighting for freedom.